Hey everybody, welcome to this week's episode of Lunch with Legs. Legs Malone here, wishing you all a very warm hello. It has been a while since we posted. My apologies to our regular listeners. Life just has a way of happening, doesn't it? (laughs) So my apologies for the break in our regular episode uh, output, but I look forward to bringing you regular episodes from here on out. We are aiming to be weekly, and uh, here's to making that happen. I'm very happy to bring this week's episode to you for many reasons. One, primarily because I had never met the wonderful Kristen Corvette, who you will be hearing from in just a minute. She was recommended to me by my good friend Mix Arcana. Sorry, Minx Arcana, while I stumble over my own tongue. Minx is a performer here in New York City, and she recommended uh, Kristen to be a guest. So thank you, Minx. It was a real pleasure talking to Kristen, and I think you guys are really going to enjoy our very feminist, very sex-positive, straight-up witchy discussion. Uh, But before we move on any farther, I am very excited to just tease you guys with some cool stuff that Dave and I have coming up. We are going to be making some big strides with this podcast coming up, so stay tuned for some very cool announcements regarding that. And second, and certainly not least, I am very proud and happy to let you guys know that we have a great sponsor for today's show, and that sponsor is Corset Story. I understand they have offices in many different countries all over the world. I was in touch with the one in London, although while looking up their website, I found out they have a USA site as well. Uh, These corsets are wonderful. I have a very short torso. It is not easy for me to wear corsets, and I was perusing their website and found some great ones. I got two beautiful ones that are zippered up the front. And I am not a person to use a lot of corsets on stage. I get very um, intimidated with undoing the lacing in the back and undoing the, um, of course, I'm completely forgetting what they're called, the little catches on the front. Um, And I was thrilled to find that they had metal zippers, which I know for some people is not ideal when it comes to aesthetics, but for me, it was spot on, and I am so excited to be using them in some upcoming performances. So thank you, Corset Story. For those of you who want to check out Corset Story's website, I do recommend you go to www.corset-story.com or corset-story, however you choose to say that word. Uh, Definitely go check it out. They're having an amazing three-for-two sale right now. They've got hosiery. They've got a whole bunch of very, very cool stuff. And uh, if they contact you, say, hey, how'd you find out about us? Let them know that Legs Malone sent you. And I have to just give a special little shout-out that um, the corsets I also got are reversible. So I'm really excited to be able to use those in even more acts than just the ones that are codified to the certain colors that I chose. So, yes, go check out corset-story.com and tell them legs sent you. All right, on with today's episode. Kristen Corvette is the founder and head brain and body behind sluttist.com. That is S-L-U-T-I-S-T dot com. And I highly, highly, highly recommend you guys go check out her website. If you are into all things feminist and sex positive and female empowered 
even if you're a man um, and if you yourself as a man want to empower your own feminine side, go to this website. It is amazing. She'll talk a little bit about what she offers uh, on it during our interview, but there are such great articles, profiles, pictures, writings, I mean, you name it. It is such a great website, and I highly, highly recommend you guys check it out. So without further ado, go ahead and pull up a chair, pour yourself a cup of something good, and get ready for my interview with the one and only Kristen Corvette. Kristen Corvette of Sluttist.com. Thank you so much for being here today. It is such a pleasure to meet you. How are you? I'm excellent. Thank you so much for having me. It was such a pleasure. You're my first ever uh, interviewee who I have just met. It makes it more exciting that way. It does. More mystery. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wrapped inside of enigma in a very beautiful body. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's a, it, well, you know, it's being an attractive New York female you know I think I think it's important to acknowledge oh, these stop. things <laughs> how are you today I'm excellent um I am actually making plans for a sluttist festival shut up yes and it's very no one knows but I guess now people are going to know now people I'm will know recording this but um March 29th uh-huh. at St. Vitus Bar Club in Brooklyn um, I'm just setting up some of the performers. I'm hoping to have some visual art on the walls, some spoken words, some talks, and then some bands. And a whole, sort of like an all-day, meaning like 6 to midnight all day. Totally, totally. <laughs> you know, but um, I'm really excited wow. about it. And the theme is what I'm really excited about because it's sort of looking into um, the witch archetype and how that connects with the modern-day slut discourse. So He's got a full body shiver when you said that. <laughs> Holy shit. I hate to start out with such a big, you know, topic before we get uh, into No, thank you for you starting know, out with such who a who the hell topic. I am and what Sluttist is. But <laughs> it, start somewhere. It is a sex positive feminist website and I've had so many different contributors and so many of them happen to be witches or spiritual women um and it just sort of came to me like the universe was telling me I had to put on this sort of witch as slut as feminist sort of parallel in the event. Um, I don't myself identify, but I believe in many of the same things. And he practiced, um, you know, some sort of work in that way, but not fully like some of my friends who really are embodied in, in that in that way. But I just have so much respect for it, and there's just so many exciting little nooks and crannies to get into oh, yeah. that I feel like that'll be a really fun draw. And I'm kind of sick of feminist events being all so... There's just a certain aesthetic, and yeah. I don't see a lot of, like, darker... You mean you don't like Lilith Fair or the Indigo <laughs> Girls? What the fuck? Those <laughs> things are all wonderful, Absolutely. and they're popular for a reason, but, like, there are no... and. The funny thing is because, you know, you would think there'd be more dark feminist sort of events because of, you know, Kali and Lilith and all these goddesses of death in the underworld. But yet, maybe it's because women have been so, you know, put upon that they don't want to even think about darkness in a way. But there is so much, you know, blood and darkness and death and horror and pain and and beauty in that that... I think there needs to be more of that, and aesthetically, I just want that. So, you know, <laughs> so right? It all works out. <laughs> yeah. So that's that's the long-winded um, introduction to this event, and I haven't named it yet. You know, all these things will happen. So yeah. I hope, you know, I hope people come 
but uh, it's I have a long a long way to sort of shape it up. But I'm really excited about the idea. So. Yeah, absolutely, and great job. I mean, putting it so far out there, you know, March. I mean, that's uh, just about a little under seven months away. So I have time, so and I, totally I have time. some ideas for some burlesque, and I think it's just going to be quite an event. It's an event that I really wished existed, so all right, I'll just do it myself. Absolutely. Right? Isn't and that's that? the way to do it, yeah. Yeah. Spot spot the uh, the need and fill it. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I think the, the darker side of femininity, the you know, and when I say darker, I mean all sides of the dark, you know, like the yes. dark of the night. The you know what some people might call gothic or sort of more horror based, but also I mean there can only be as much light as there is dark, and I feel so and it's an essential part of the healing process, not only of the feminine archetype but of just feminine energies that both women and men have in their you know the gender specific bodies. You know the the darkness is there's such a stigma attached to it that you know people are scared of or you know oh it's bad and it's it's evil. And it's not. It's part of life. Absolutely. I mean, so I just, I just, I, I want to say that, and and in in also that I'm just fucking psyched. I, I want to go to this. Good. Oh my god. <laughs> I hope so. So so tell me about, and I I have it on the website, but I want to hear what your description of your extraordinary website sledis.com. Wow. Thank you. Thank you so it's much. It's fucking rad. <laughs> um, well, I feel like, first off, like a curator of it. It's not my site, even though I started it and it was my idea. The reason why I think it's so great is because it's grown so much and gone to different avenues and angles because of all the people like, that have gotten involved. I think we have around 20 different writers now awesome. that contribute when they have time and with their own lives, of course. But I think I really just like to put together really different perspectives on different kinds of feminism but the main core is a sex positive feminism um owning your sexuality and fully embodying it and shame free at mm -hmm. all at all times but we do delve into how hard that can be and all the sort of double standards mm -hmm. and reasons why it's difficult yeah. so it began two years ago and that's oh, so quite young yeah it's very young the, actually, this event is in time for this two-year anniversary. Amazing. So I had always done music and art and culture, sort of writing and being involved myself in sort of artistic pursuits as well, but then also had the gender studies side and with undergrad and grad school, and I never really married them that much. But a couple years ago, you remember in the election season, Rush Limbaugh called Sandra Faluka mm -hmm. slut, and the word came back, even though it never went away, it was more in the headlines. Yeah, absolutely. And it really got me thinking about these things and one day it just sort of came up that this was personally my point of view and why not sort of combine everything that I had been doing into this one you know singular vision for a site and a, a media outlet so that's how Sluttish was born and since then it's just been who knows where we'll go week to week it's just you know different people contact me I contact different people one of my favorite um, parts of it is the slut of the month yeah and I've met so many amazing <laughs> women because of it, and actually men too. Um, I don't really define what, you know, it has to be, but I've had everyone, you know, from sex workers to clothing designers to singers to actors to just regular people. They've all, some people contact me and they say, I want to be slut of the month and I think that's awesome. And then I have to chase after, you know, some other people. And some people are afraid to be on the internet with the word slut next to them. And I have 
you know, obviously, I just because I'm trying to use it in an ironic way and reclaim it, repurpose it, doesn't mean it just goes away in society Absolutely. out there as a taboo. So I completely understand. It's not easy. It's not simple. And I don't, I'm not saying it is, you know. So it's sort of had its challenges, but um, thus far... You know, I just got my confirmation for my October slut of the month, which is be, will be a surprise, but Amazing. I'm very excited. So, yeah, um, I think that's the gist of it. Yeah, totally. Now, how would you define, you sort of touched on this already, but how would you define the word slut? Well, I think it's been used to describe a woman that men are afraid of. And that women are afraid of people. That woman that threatens with their own expression of their sexuality. Mm-hmm. That's how I think, you know, it's used to police female sexuality. It's used to shut women down. It's used to damage their reputations. It's used as a reason to uh, assault or kill or mm-hmm. rape, you know, women as well. Um, so, but I really think it comes down to this threat. It's the woman as threat, and it makes, you know, other women or men act out against Mm -hmm. that woman. And oftentimes, you can't really even define why someone's called a slut. Sometimes it really has nothing to do with sexuality at all, you know. It's just like in high schools with slut shaming and sexual bullying, you know. Some poor girl is singled out, and sometimes it's for no reason because maybe she wore some weird outfit or something. You know, it's nothing to do with her actual actions. So it just seems like... There's real, really no definition. It's just used across the board to shut women down. And Jessica Valenti wrote a great article recently about, you know, there being no definition, but obviously the results are real. So yeah. who needs to have a definition, really, you know? Totally. But that's the problem with it. It's so slippery. It's sort of like ever-changing in a way. Yeah, and I, I mean, it's my understanding that there's also, I mean, the movement to reclaim it, um, you know, much like... Um, and I'm just flashing back to when I saw the vagina monologues mm-hmm. and I saw it in a room full of like 400 people and just 400 people chanting the word cunt was amazing. And it's like, let's take it back. And I, I'd love to know what your experience has been, you know, really working with that term and redefining mm. it, you know, putting some of the power back into it. Sure. Well, I think it's a long, arduous process, and I'm not naive to think that I can just go out and throw it around, and it's not going to be, like, hurtful or triggering for some women, and Mm -hmm. so I really realize that it's just such a delicate process, but even just by putting that word next to really smart, intelligent, aware, thoughtful, you know, activist figures in the New York community and, you know, all around the country and sometimes the world, um, I hope that helps a little bit. And I don't personally go around throwing it in a day-to-day basis, you know. What up, slut? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's funny to a friend no, or whatever. Absolutely. But <laughs> I think it's it's more of a nuanced process than that. Although mm-hmm. I do find the word more charming more and more I use it. You know, I have more. I never like really had a personal connection with the word or ne- necessarily a negative one because to me, if someone called me that, I always knew, you know, luckily enough, I was raised in a way that I knew that that was just someone being threatened by right. me. So, but not everyone's so lucky. So, absolutely. You know, kudos I, to your parents for giving you. Yeah. That. I don't, I don't know how it happened. I mean, and they're not that excited about the website. <laughs> I'll tell you that. My mom at one point, um, She's really come around, actually. She's really into it, and now she'll give me ideas for the site. <gasps> no way. Yeah, she was a feminist, but second-wave feminist and 
trying to get away from that and the idea of like feminist pornography she's still like uh you know and i understand and i really like having the you know contradictory discussions about different kinds of feminism and because there's not just one way and unfortunately the idea that there is one way of feminism is what got that mm. you know the uh women against feminism crap that's been going around oh my god because it's also misinformed if yeah. it were informed that's fine if Absolutely. you think women should do this one thing and it's not you know according to what they feel they should do if you think they should be subjugated then you can be against feminism that's cool but if you think you're against feminism because you don't mind if a man cat calls you on the street that's that's a personal choice like yeah. some days sure some guy says something i'm like cool some days i'm like i'm gonna rip your fucking face off oh yeah can i absolutely may i you may. You may. <laughs> oh, all, all you. the episodes are explicit marked, <laughs> oh <so>. excellent <laughs> so parents be forewarned if you're yeah. letting your kids listen to this very educated children by the way yes absolutely <laughs> mm, yeah <laughs> um wow yeah I, I i mean i totally agree and especially the you know the term feminism i mean i went to eight years of all girls school so. me too what really yeah oh my god I went, yeah, I went middle school and high school. Yeah, I went uh, third through tenth. Oh, my God. So just about the same. Yeah. yeah. I guess mine was fifth through fifth grade through senior year. Okay. And that was my, that's hilarious, um, that was my introduction to feminism. Me too. And I remember having a very visceral reaction to mm. it because, well, I, I can't really think exactly why because, but there was something about, because I remember, I, I think I was associating it with the really angry women mm-hmm. who... Looking back on it, of course they had reason to be angry. Yeah. All of us have a reason yeah, to be angry absolutely. in the face of what happens to women solely based on our bodies. Yes, yes. And, but at that time, I was in a very unconscious space. I, I can't think of a single adolescent who is conscious at that age. But I remember really like pushing against it and having a conversation with a friend, and she was like, well, you're a feminist, right? And I was like, well, I don't know. Like, I'm not angry. No. Because that's, <laughs> that's, that's just what I associate sure. with. And it took time to, for me to realize, like, Oh, okay, I get it now. Right, <laughs> and it was you know it was, it was I mean it was a very innocent process mm-hmm. for me. But even then, my own questioning of it, my own negotiation with it, I definitely got some shame put my way. Like how how can you not call yourself a feminist? Mm. Like what the fuck? Yeah, and I was just like I, I, I don't know I don't know you know. And then, anyway, humans are hilarious. It's, it's yes the, is the short they answer are. that that is a kind way to put it. <laughs> Humans, yeah. Um, but anyway, looking back at it now, and I, I, I feel like right now, and I'd love to hear your take on this. It seems like now more than ever. I mean, within the last year or two, who would be termed, you know, quote unquote minorities, being African Americans, being uh, transgendered, LGBT, mm-hmm. uh, being women. You know, the the human rights aspect of their treatment has been getting. I feel it's been getting a more um, visible dialogue or treatment in the media. I just feel more than ever that stuff's being pushed into the headlines. Yes. Um, and it's overdue, frankly. And it's, I don't, I mean, it's being treated in so many different ways, but I feel like the pot is being stirred yes, in yes. a big way. Well, you can tell with just what's going on on a daily basis in our country, you know. Exactly. It's, and I think, I guess you have to go through that to get to a, hopefully better place you can't just keep quiet and then things will get peaceful i mean no people need to be challenged yeah and it's uncomfortable to be challenged it's uncomfortable to think that oh i might be you know this opinion might be misinformed i'm not as perfect as i 
thought yes, I was. Yes, and some people are really not as good at that. Hell no. Those, those, <laughs> those fortresses of ego. Yeah, man, I yeah. Mean, it's tough, and I mean, men and women alike. Oh, yeah. It, it's it's totally dependent on the individual, like, whether they're willing to go there or not. And I think there's great rewards for people who are willing to go in and, you know, question these things and hopefully have, you know, well-informed people to talk to mm-hmm. who are patient. Yeah. You know, who aren't going to shame them for asking questions. Right. Because that's an essential part of the growth process. Yes. If we're all going to get enlightened, like... It's it's not all you know candy canes and marshmallows. Yeah, exactly. It's it's painful. Growth is painful, but then something good usually comes of it, or at least higher knowledge of, of some kind. So, I definitely enjoy when people put me in my place, like intellectually or ideologically, or or just open me up to something I didn't think about before. Absolutely. You know, there's no way to know everything. Come on, you know, totally. <laughs> like, we're humans. We're not gods, right? But a lot of people seem to act that way and are very narrow and so you know and what you were saying actually about growing up and being a little turned off by feminism I felt the same way Mm. and I felt that there was an anti-sex and there was in you know in the 80s and there was a huge you know strain of anti-sex feminism or anti-porn and I totally understand mainstream pornography has so much misogyny yeah of course I understand why they were fighting for it but it sort of threw the baby out with the bathwater or whatever so then sex seemed to be there's a sex negative feeling so when I was in school I thought oh god if I want to do this that and the other with whoever that's not feminist so I can't be a feminist and I actually started my undergrad work in studying masculinity because I was so turned off by what I had learned uh, by proxy through being in an all-girls school that wow. I really started on the masculinity side because I was really interested in studying masculinity, which was great because it really flipped me over pretty quickly to, oh, right, here we are. Yes, this is the patriarchal structure that makes you think other women are your enemies. You know, when I was younger, I remember being like, oh, I'd just rather have male friends, things like that. And now I realize, oh, shit. You were just caught up in exactly what they want you to be caught up in, you know? Yeah. So realizing that, so I feel a little ashamed, you know? Of but course. I mean... It's part of the process. Yeah. Though. I mean, it's 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 sacred and perfect in yeah, a way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, especially if you can, like, move through exactly. it. Exactly. You know, some people get really hung up on the shame and the guilt aspects because something in their past like there's as I would say there's a landing pad already for that in them Mm. and so when it comes in anew it goes thunk and it confirms or reaffirms some flawed thought they have and it's like oh god you know I'm a terrible person I mean I um I say this all the time but um have you ever listened to Brene Brown Mm -mm. she gave two amazing TED talks um about shame and guilt Mm. And she talks about how shame is comes from the thought, I am wrong, I am something wrong, whereas guilt is I did something wrong. Hmm. And those, the way those interplay and intertwine, because, you know, guilt can be forgiven if the person wants to, but shame can be a lot trickier. I mean, it, that, I, I feel it's still within that same forgiveness process, but it goes a lot deeper. And I, yeah, I mean, I think that right now is such a, such a powerful and potent moment for people to access those energies now more than ever, um, certainly in a public discourse, but also privately. And thanks to websites like yours, just raising the consciousness around it, you know, creating more platform for people to write about things that other people might not feel is comfortable. Yeah, I, mean, I, I hope think, so. That's the I goal. think, I mean, like, in my humble opinion, that's God's work. 
Like, and I say oh, this right. all the time. I mean, I say like burlesque is absolutely God's work. Hell yeah. Because it is showing people experientially, not flat on a screen, but three dimensionally, like, you know, in front, if the dancer's close to you, you can smell her perfume or body odor, whatever she's wearing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is a transformative experience to see sex and sexuality treated with love mm-hmm. and celebration and but also in total control because the dancer is in total control of her act absolutely and that's essential that's a, that's an essential aspect of sort of i feel of an experiential education and saying like oh it's okay if i have a bigger belly or you know fuller hips or if i'm shaped like you know a rake you know just like this skinny little yeah. pole or anything in between or I have you know copious amounts of cellulite or whatever it is it's okay it's yeah. my body I get to do with it what I want to and God bless that I mean that's I, I have always thought of burlesque as one of the most enlightened or with the greatest potential of an enlightening sure. aspect because there's plenty of you know the quote unquote lower energies in mm-hmm. there as well yeah um, but it, hey there's room for everybody that's true you know um, I teach a fourth wave feminism class at the new school. Awesome. And oh, I, yes. I want to hear about and that. And I had Chikava Honeychild from Brown Girls Burlesque do a, um in-class performance, and she gave a lecture on um, the history of women of color in burlesque. And it was, hands down, the best part of the entire semester. Students at that last day said, A, they had never seen a woman go down to pasties in a thong, in a classroom setting and their minds were pretty much blown by that. <laughs> but just learning that there were so many political and historical and feminist aspects mm. to burlesque, I think it blew their mind because they're you know, 18 years. These were freshmen. So they just like moved to New York City. That and, is a learning experience. Right? But I just wish I could have hired her to teach the whole class. She was so great. She's amazing. Yeah. Um, so yes, totally. amen to what you just said. Um, burlesque is... God's work, or totally. goddess, goddess's work, yes. <laughs> whatever. God, goddess, all that is creator work. Yes, yes. I completely agree. I completely agree. That's fucking rad, by the way, that you invited that. Tell me about the class you teach. The class um, is something I just proposed to them because there's obviously first, second, third wave, a lot of talk of that. And then in the recent years, there have been some, you know, rumblings of the fourth, like what is this fourth? And, yeah. um, it hasn't really been defined officially, but a lot of people sort of come to the conclusion that it's how the internet has affected feminism, how it drives the new issues. Oh. So it's not necessarily that the issues have changed. In fact, the first day I do a chart with first, second, third, fourth, I leave fourth blank and I put all the, the issues and how the issues were, you know, dealt with and, or not dealt with, and the main figures, such, you know, like that. And the only thing that hasn't changed Sorry, the only thing that has changed is that women have the right to vote from the first wave. Everything else just gets sort of tacked on and tacked on and tacked on. So we get to force it. And everyone's just like drawing arrows, you know, and then adding more issues, you know. Totally, totally. Can you, I mean, in like as easy a soundbite as you can muster, can you summarize those different ways for the people who don't know them? Sure. I'd, I'd say first was mostly dealing with getting women's right to vote. So that was Sojourner Truth and Elizabeth Cady Stanton, Susan B. Anthony, uh, Seneca Falls Convention. So we have, even in like late 1800s, and then we have 1920, women have the right to vote, but it's not like things all got better then. But hey, that's a step, I suppose. 
Um, but it's still begging for scraps, you know. Yeah. Uh, then second wave really was, um, I mean, it's defined more by the 60s and mm. the 70s with Gloria Steinem and uh, Feminine Mystique and... The Pill. The Pill, yeah, exactly. Um, so many other great Jimmy figures. Greer yes. And um, is she the one who wrote, wait, there's one, the female eunuch? Is that Jimmy Greer? Okay. I think. Maybe. Oh, God. Uh, now my... <laughs> to Amazon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, to I you know, there's thousands of pages on the subject. Absolutely. So then the third was really response to the fact that the second wave didn't at least publicly deal with a lot of issues of women of color or women of lower economic standing. You know, it was really like middle-class white ladies that was second wave. Yeah. And then the third also had elements of Riot Girl and um, intersectionalism was introduced in the third wave. And so we're still kind of dealing with all the great new discussions that came up with the third wave of feminism, but the internet really was a big new way that these issues are now discussed and disseminated and yeah. debated, for better or for worse. I mean, hashtag activism on Twitter, good or bad. There's you know things to be said for both sides and I think all these new ways of communicating and discussing the issues are kind of their own thing. So I think the fourth wave is its own thing. Mm -hmm. But I don't think it can just be defined by the internet. There's still I think sex positive feminism really came into its own more yeah. recently. Yeah. So I think that's a fourth wave thing. It's still being defined. I mean when I taught the class I even said, Hey, disclaimer, I don't really know what the fourth wave is. Let's talk about it together. Totally, <laughs> so, totally. That's pretty much a basic that's awesome. Yeah, no, thank you for that. It, it's it's making me think of two things. One, I'm I grab my phone because I want to search your name. You'll probably know it, but there was a book that recently came out um, called Bad Feminist. Yes. Um, and I'm forgetting the author's name, uh, which is why I am madly googling. Oh, this. I I am too. Uh, Roxanne Gay. Yes, 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 yes. I am gagging to read that book, and I know because she, she I she read one. She wrote one article that I recently read that just, like, blew the walls She's off hilarious. my head. She's amazing. She's hilarious and speaks about things so frankly and directly that, you know, they they hit home. Just, like, boom, 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 boom. Like, each of them hit. Um, so there's that. I don't know if you've read her book. I haven't read it yet. I'm I have not read it yet. Totally want to read it. Um, but the second thing is I recently was reading an article. In fact, it may have been Roxanne's article, come to think of it. It may not have been. Um, but talking about how historically feminism has been an, it is, has been for white women. Mm -hmm. And it yeah. does not acknowledge women of color, um, trans women, you know, even gay women. You know, it's, you know, of all, and, and then everything else, you know, all the other Hispanic, Asian, you know, and, fill in all of the other right. blanks. Um, but it's been really a bastion of the white woman. And I'd say middle class. Yes, thank you. Thank yeah. You. Yes, exactly. Well. Um, and so, I, I mean, I'd love to know your thoughts on that, but also, I, I mean, I feel that that's also preparing all of us for a deeper push into that territory, you know, a deeper questioning of self and of, you know, all right, well, what makes a feminist then? You know, around that... And that might be an enormous question, and I... That is a huge question. And <laughs> you can break it down. I would say that it would be 
relying on my white privilege to be able to even answer it. So I will refrain from answering it for that reason alone because I can't speak for anyone but myself. Of course. And on the site as well, I just, you know, there's so many issues that I can't relate to, so I have other awesomely talented women talk about it. So Mm -hmm. I wish I knew the answers. I really don't. No, 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 it's cool. I agree with you that it needs to be more open and accessible to everyone. But, like, you know, Bell Hooks's book, Feminism is for Everybody, it's one of my favorite books on feminism, and it's, like, a tiny, small little book, but it answers, it goes through everything and sort of lays out why, you know, it is for everyone. But I don't know how we really get that out there. Mm-hmm. That's the question. One step at a time. Yeah. And, yeah, being willing to have those dialogues in a public arena. I mean... I um, it's it's there are questions that I definitely want to ask you know more of I mean of my community of women of color of Mm -hmm. women who are not white and middle class Mm -hmm. Um, but I have to say even and again it goes back to that you know in high school being like well am I a feminist like but I'm not angry I'm not Mm -hmm. this I'm not that you know I think the whole you know the concept of white privilege is really important for white people to wrap their heads around. Yes. It's essential because I think uh, so many white people are completely blind to it. I mean, I'm still being educated. I think you do every day because there's no way to really remove yourself from it, right? Precisely. I mean, sometimes I'll just realize, wow, I just totally got away with that because of what I look like. And I'm like, okay, grapple with that, you know, and (sighs) recognize that and do the best you can to keep realizing all these things. I mean, there's no way to be vigilant 24 hours a day to know every time you've maybe taken advantage of your what you... I mean, you have to, like, live your life and just try to, you know, help others where you can and not. Absolutely. And you also don't want to, like, racially profile just to be like, well, I'm going to be nice to you because you're not white. Or, you know, there's, like, some absolutely. weird backlash it's that comes funny. with it. Yeah, absolutely. You know? Or, like, even with the site, like, I definitely don't say, this this month's site of the month has to be, like, Native American. So I'm going to, you know, I really, like, think merit and, you know, the creativity and this and that should come first before race, you know? Yeah. But at the same time, obviously, that... It doesn't happen so often and you know white privilege often thwarts that and yeah. gets in the way of people's talents and you know output being recognized because they're non-white so mm-hmm. it's like a such a you know seesaw Absolutely. like what's the answer I mean I think as long as you're trying that's yes, good exactly and I, I, I absolutely agree with you yeah. because the only way any of us are ever going to land on our feet you know, is going to keep questioning and to have the courage to keep questioning and just yeah. keep trying. Yeah. You know, and if we fall flat on our face, then guess what? You get to get up and, like, start over again. Yeah. But, I mean, especially living in New York City that is so... It's such a diverse place, and we literally live on top of each other. Yes. <laughs> Everywhere. Yeah. Like, on top of and all around each other. I think, you know, here more than ever, like, those things need to be... I mean, and even in, like, the cornfields of Iowa, yeah. like, people, you know, and, and like across the world but yeah. I think here it's such a petri dish and such a hotbed of diversity and backgrounds and opinions and issues that I think that New York City in itself is a very unique rich place to debate these things Yeah, um, and for everyone to get educated because it's not always comfortable it's mostly uncomfortable <laughs> it is, thank you exactly I mean I interviewed Tangerine Jones um, 
several episodes ago. I can't remember the episode number off the top of my head. And I felt so beaten up afterwards mm. because I realized how little I know. And I really thought I was educated around, you know, different African-American issues. And I, it was just driven home that I didn't know shit. And it was extremely painful. Yeah. I mean, I definitely, like, I was licking the wound of my ego at the end of that. And But at the same time, like, I was able to look past that and be like, okay, it's just my ego. It's not who I am. Yeah. You know, there's more to this. And you as a result... You didn't mean to be that way. No, <laughs> absolutely. I mean, it was it was my total innocence, yeah. you know, there just open being like, I want to know more. And she gave me, and I put it on the, I saw that. Oh, you did? Yeah. Awesome. And I, I, she gave me a whole bunch of links and stuff, and I read all of them, and I watched all the videos, and it was just like, it completely opened up my mind. Yeah. And, um... It was really funny because I posted on I have I have two Facebook pages, mm. um, one personal and yeah. one burlesque. And on my personal page, which is just people I know yeah. from school and stuff, I wrote on there after that interview, just talking about how like I felt like I had just gotten a boot to the face and the gut. But at the same time, like it was it forced me to look at things. And I said, you know, dearest white friends, like mm-hmm. please check this out. Please read these things. And I posted absolutely everything that Tangerine had given me. And only my black friends replied. And that in itself was like... And we all went to all-girls school together. Yeah. All of us. Yeah. And I was like... Yeah. This is... Anyway, it was just... It was fascinating. Yeah, some people just don't want to engage and deal with the issues because it's not comfortable. You can go live in your, like, ignorance is bliss sort yeah. of world. Totally. And... But, you know, people that aren't born looking a certain way, you know, whether that be because of being differently abled or different body size or race or, you know, they're, they don't have the luxury of going out and just ignoring it and living in their bubble world. But I can't relate to certain aspects of the people's lives either. And they can't relate to mine. You know, it's just sort of a like constant process that feminists and other humanists, I hope, have to be open to dealing with. And... I mean, I saw this article with Ferguson that was like, things white people can do to support the community of Ferguson and this issue. And it was actually a really useful article. It seems kind of, like, funny, but there needs to be more like that. It's true. Because otherwise people just feel terrible, and if you can't be on the street doing that, I mean, there's things you shouldn't do, like... Well, let's not get, in, get into it. <laughs> we'll just, leave that hot yeah, potato alone. We can just leave that. Yeah. But... I thought that was really... I wish there were more things like that when really, you know, difficult situations come up or, yeah, things like that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Yeah, I mean, it's that that questioning aspect of it is essential. I mean, I'd love to bring it back into the... into especially your website. I mean, what... or And also, I mean, your teaching. I mean, what resources can you recommend if people want to read up on... And I'll happily put these in the notes on yeah. the on the blog. Um, what like if people want to educate themselves in the ways of the slut and hmm. the ways of the feminist? <laughs> what are some of because you mentioned the one book, um, the really skinny feminism one. feminism is for everybody feminism. by Bell Hooks, Queen uh, feminism, <laughs> official or unofficial? But um, let's see. God, there's so many other. Things that I love. I mean, I think there's a lot of sites that I just like to go to on a regular basis. I think Autostraddle is great for a queer woman's perspective. I've never heard of that. And um, I really like color lines for a lot of racial 
And they're not necessarily, well, they're feminist, yeah. I mean, but it's more driven by racial issues, but it's feminist too, you know? And I really like reading what's up there, and that'll always challenge something mm-hmm. um, that I'm thinking. And, God, there's, I mean, anything Jessica Valenti, I mentioned her again, I really like Jessica Valenti and what, and what she does. And who else? Gosh. I think some of the greatest ways to engage in slut power is going to burlesque and, you know, going to performance art and going to the theater. And I remember when I first moved to New York, I saw world famous Bob and I was 18 years old and she just blew my mind. I was like this. Oh my God. I didn't know that was like allowed. I didn't know women like her existed. She's amazing. Yeah. I mean, wow. Just the talent and just the power and And the the persona and holy shit. So I think things like that are just as radically feminist as reading a text. Absolutely. That is feminism in action. Yeah, exactly. So I think, you know, things like that. Like I I curate an art show. I co-curate it with a a friend of mine, and I've done two of them. They're called Beaver. And we bring all different kinds of... uh, visual art, video art, and she's a a dancer and a photographer, and she combines those, and she does this piece called Beaver at the end, and we had a little talk, and that was really fun. We had a a whole panel of all different kinds of of people and artists, and I think those events are some of the more feminist things you can, you know, get into, because it's good to have some, like, back and forth, and with an article, there's usually only, unless you check out the comments section, which is also often horrible. Absolutely. I often get comments that are awful on the site that I just delete because I just don't think there's a point to have nastiness. I mean, if it's going to be constructive, sure, but when are they ever constructive? <laughs> it does boil down to the intention behind the comment. Yes. Like, do you want to spew your hate yes. all over? Like, yes. A dog, like, peeing all over a fence? Yes. Or is your intention to actually begin a dialogue here or to bring right. up a point? And no one... That's the problem. It's not like the people who really want to engage in dialogue are the ones engaging in these sort of fights. Because if there were, there's very few of us mm-hmm. out there who mm-hmm. are interested in the 360 degrees of views, you know? I always like to say I feel like I was um, blessed because of growing up with a atheist father and a religious mother. Wow. Oh, God, so you had both and sides And they the were point. not married. They eventually did not get... I mean, they were married, but they got divorced. But because of that, I had radical uh, just viewpoints given to me at all times. And I would see both sides, both sides, both sides, both sides, you know? And I think that just made me constantly just thinking of every side to the one debate. That's so valuable. And it's a little, you know tiring sometimes because I'll often think one thing and think no but what about this and I just that's my that's my inner dialogue is thinking the back and forth and the up and down of of every issue Um, and sometimes I feel like that's a weakness because I always admired people who had one strong view and that's it you know but I'm just like more wishy-washy or I'm more flexible you know either way you can define it either way but more room for negotiation sure because there's always a different way to think about something. I mean, I guess there's some things like child rape. There's no other way to think about that. Right, correct. So I'm not, you know, (laughs) I'm not confused about those issues. (laughs) In case anyone was wondering, here it is on record. Thank you for clarifying. Yeah. um, So I don't know what that had to do with what we were talking about. It's all good. The beauty of conversation. Yeah. It it meanders like a stream. Like Like feminist discussion and discourse is often about 
you know, disagreement and seeing different sides. And I think the problem is we get the angry, you know, archetype of the feminist is because I think obviously people are passionate, so that can come off as anger, but often people are unwilling to think about the other side or put themselves in the other position. Absolutely. And I I mean, I feel ego has a huge part to play in that Um, because, I mean, I I come from a more spiritual school regarding the ego. Um, There's a amazing text called A Course in Miracles and it in it it says that the ego is something we create when we form the thought that we're separate from God. So it is the false idol that is talked about in the Bible, like beware false idols, because it is a false front. And people get so tied to it and they I, I, I mean I've experienced this on multiple occasions on a you know myriad topics where people feel if they if if something in conversation is brought up that challenges what they think, there's something in them that believes that what they think is actually who they are. Yes. And so if they're going to change their mind, that's actually experiencing a form of death for them. And because that's, I mean, that, and that's very much ego thought. I mean, the ego says sense. like, if you think anything other than me, you're going to die. And it, it, I mean, there's a whole other like conversation within that, but I, I feel that, you know, people, it's actually an, a major like push towards liberation of the spirit to say, all right, I am not my ego. I, it's safe for me to question these things. And in fact, it's going to make me stronger. Like it's like, you know, testing a structure before mm-hmm. stepping into it. Like you want to shake it a little bit. Yeah. And if it cracks or breaks, then okay, take it down and rebuild it. Yeah. It wasn't strong enough in the first place. Exactly. Bring it down to the foundations, build it back up again, and it will be stronger and more functional that right. way. I wish more people, right. you know, would be willing to go there, but a lot of people are just so, and again, it's been like taught to them by their parents, um, or, you know, religious schooling or whatever, but like something like close and emotional that happens when you're very young, where it's suddenly like, I can't question anything. Like I have to believe this, or if I don't believe this certain thing, I will lose the love of my father or my mother mm-hmm. or my church or my community. Like it's it's amazing how much like deep threat people can feel in a very intimate personal space around questioning things yeah. when and I mean I wish that there were more opportunities to discuss things that people feel really uncomfortable about because it's it's within that questioning no matter what they're talking mm-hmm. about that's where the magic happens that's where growth happens and exactly as you said as we said we we're talking about earlier like growth is painful yeah you know, like, I mean, we, I certainly had growing pains, physically speaking. I mean, I'm 5'11". I remember, oh. like, physically hurting in sixth grade because my bones were growing. And it, it sucked. But, it, you know, here I am now, and I'm fine. Yeah, you know, and you made it. the same thing. I made it. <laughs> bones and all. But, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's extraordinary to me how some people are so terrified of questioning things when that's why we're here. You know, it's like at the end of the day, it's like, you know, people can divide everything they want by gender, by race, by class, by how much money they have in their bank account. But at the end of the day, we are all exactly the same. And people try their damnedest to say otherwise. Yeah. And I think it's so damaging. There's fear-based conditioning. Thank you. Exactly. Exactly. And not everyone has the luxury, maybe, of being um, brought into this form of thinking or they are too afraid or they don't want to because it's painful you know any of those but it's a 
It's a great philosophy that I also agree with. Anytime <laughs> you're suffering, you're probably about to have a, a breakthrough that's yeah. going to be pretty good. Yeah. Even it's if so it's like the worst. That suffering through. Even if it's the worst thing you can imagine. I mean, I, and you know what? Even if I'm full of it, then doesn't that at least make the process feel better? Like, that's the thing. Even if it's totally, you know, this idea is wrong, then at least throughout your life you're feeling a little respite. So there, it's just... It's an unimpeachable idea. I agree. It's just totally, it works. Yeah. So. No, absolutely. And I hope that, you know, I know the audience of my show does happen to be more primarily burlesque oriented, although, you know, burlesque performers and fans. Um, but, you know, I do get letters or e emails, mm -hmm. e old e letter, um, <laughs> you know, from people of all genders and everything, you know, saying thanks or, hey, great episode. So it's nice to know that I'm reaching with the episodes a greater audience. But for those of you who are listening, please be willing to question everything you believe in because if it's true, it'll stick. Yeah. And if it isn't, it'll fall away and hopefully a deeper truth will rise up in its place. And you might even stick to what you had in the beginning, but at least you did that full process. And it, obviously it's not once in a lifetime thing. You know, maybe periodically check in. <laughs> I do. Probably too much. I mean, I think there's a way to do it a little too much that I'm like, oh, God, everything I think is wrong. <laughs> so if you uh, come and see that my site is gone and I've disappeared and oh, moved no. to the woods, that's what happened. <laughs> but... <laughs> No, I already booked the date, so I'll be here at least through March, but Good. then we'll see. <laughs> yes, after that, to the hut in the uh, woods. My dad lives in uh, Wyoming, in Jackson Hole, and so oh, God, I'm always Jackson like... so beautiful. I mean, it's really not so technically in the middle of nowhere because it's a city, you know, but when you go out into the mountains away, you know, 100 miles away in Yellowstone or something, that is like middle yeah. of nowhere, and I... I fantasize sometimes about just Absolutely. what do ideas mean when you're there, when you're in like nature and there's nothing, there's no media there, you know? Yeah. That's when you can really and also, think about I mean, these things. I, I feel like, you know, anybody who is a vocal, if not outspoken, feminist slash egalitarian human rights mm -hmm. believer, you know, who are in places like Wyoming or Montana or the Dakotas, you know, or mm. anywhere where there is a conservative majority. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, that's a different kind of missionaryism. Yes. You know, and I, I, I support them with my full heart and as much like spirit energy that I can send them because that's, you know, that's sending a cure into a thick of a disease. Not that yeah. conservatism is necessarily a disease, but I feel that there are some thoughts in there that are anti-life. And you mean close-mindedness, too. Close-mindedness, yeah. exactly. Thank you. Which is... You know, again, the fortress of ego. Yeah. You know, yeah. people hiding behind that, terrified of asking a question or being, like, deeply unwilling to ask a question for whatever reason. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, those catalysts, the pot stirrers who yeah. go out there and say, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, <laughs> you know? And I, I pray that they all remain safe because I'm even, like, you know, gay violence out there. You're like, oh, my like, God. The, the homophobic yes. violence is horrifying. Yes, I mean, it's easy for me to live in Brooklyn and write about, you know, sex positive feminism and reprodu reproductive rights when so many people I'm surrounded with agree. Mm -hmm. So obviously in the internet it can reach many people, but it's so radical when people work in other areas where they're not in the majority. And I have so much respect for them. And I think I saw some biker feminists in Wyoming that were more in like rural Wyoming. I saw like a sticker somewhere that was like, 
biker feminist or something, and I thought, oh my god, that is like That's so beyond badass. I can't, oh I can't god. even. I mean, we all do our part, obviously. So absolutely, absolutely. Have you have you ever heard of the Sex Workers Art Show? No. It was a touring show that went around for a few, if not several years, a while ago, and I'm. Oh God, I'm blanking on the woman's name. I'm gonna I'm gonna look it up while we're talking on my phone. Um, and world famous Bob toured oh. with them, as did uh, Dirty Martini. Joe Boobs did a tour, but they toured all over the U.S. And but there were nice. there was also I know at least one of the tours there was a dom and her sub, mm-hmm. her slave, and like went on stage and like forced the sub to do stuff so that people could see what it's like. Yeah. And they got banned from I'm places. Sure. Um, they, I think their show, they did, um, a show down at like George Mason University or one of, somewhere down in Virginia, maybe it was UVA and, uh, Fox News, Bill O'Reilly did a huge segment on them. That's Um, pretty great. Yeah. I mean, it's, it was amazing. Um, when was this? A couple years ago? Here we go. Um, I, I'm Googling it right now. I see one for 2008. Uh, Annie Oakley is the one who did it. Um, I mean, I believe that's her stage name. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, William and Mary. I think that's what it was. I, it was, yeah, I, th- I think the last one was in 2009. Oh, okay. Um, but it was an extraordinary event. In fact, oh, look, I'm on there, and there's Bob. Awesome. If anybody mm-hmm. wants to look at this, it's Sex Worker Arts sh- Art Show, art being singular, artshow.com. Um, the implosion of the service economy is <laughs> what it says. Um, but it is, oh, I'm just going to, because actually sex work is also something that I'm really fascinated by um, and interested in. I do want to interview more sex workers mm-hmm. because they're, talk about a stigma. Yeah. Like, and, and again, like going back to the witches, like absolutely. that is some original sex magic. Yep. And absolutely there's some dark stuff in there, you know, like lower energies, but there's also profound healing that happens there. Profound healing. And unfortunately, yeah, there is violence and there is, you know, that stuff that comes along with, because people want to disenfranchise them. Absolutely. Um, But, uh, yeah, I'll I'll, I'll show this to you later. But anyway, um, I mean, I would love to come back to the concept of the witch. Yes. Because that is an archetype that has been so demonized and still demonized um, when in reality they were healers you know and I'm sure there were some you know ones who worked with dark magic which right. is or black magic rather which is awful I mean it has its place sure. I want nothing to do with it yeah um, but at the same time um, there's room for everybody and there's room for everything um, can you talk a little bit about that like what how, how did you find out about witches and all the different energies and well, those archetypes? I was really inspired by it. I've always been interested in that, the sort of dark side and um, the actual histories of the witch trials. But it actually connected up recently when I interviewed Pam Grossman. Hmm. I don't know. If I don't know her. Yeah, she's um, a very famous speaker on the subject, and she gives presentations. She did one, uh, The Witch in Art. Mm. And um, she does all kinds of different things on the witch in popular culture and the archetype. And I interviewed her about connecting that with the uh, slut discourse and Mm. feminism. Mm -hmm. And she had so many 
interesting things to say about it. I mean, she's the expert, so I wouldn't even deign to speak on the connection, but I think anyone who knows a little bit about each would totally get it, you know? And actually, all the really witchy ladies I know in my life are all feminists. It's just, there's a, you know, there's the female energy there that's that's undeniable. Mm -hmm. And so... I think there's, I'm sure there's books, but I haven't even, I haven't seen an explicit book about mm. those two connecting them together, Slut Discourse and The Witch. So maybe I'll take on the Slut Discourse and I need to connect <laughs> up with these other experts on witches and we need to get together because I think that would be a really interesting, I mean. That's a book in itself. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, and there's just sort of a long historical connection about people who fear powerful women and shutting them down. Yep. So that's what happens every day now and then. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's not as, you know, it doesn't always lead to violence now and murder, but it often still does. Too Absolutely. often. Way too often. I agree. You know? So even from the littlest bit of uh, slut-shaming, you know, in a, to a, for a young girl to the gang rapes and, and murder of, of women like the Isla Vista or whatever, mm, yeah. shooting. You know, it's undeniable that this is a trend that has not gone away. Yeah. So women are still being burned at the stake. Yeah, metaphorically speaking. Yeah. If not stoned to death, yes. which they are. Yes, exactly. So there's just too much of a continuity to be denied, and I would love to read more on it or get into it with some other women about this. I think that would be a great... I think it's essential. I mean, I, I feel, again, from a more spiritual perspective, I feel, I mean, I'm a firm believer in reincarnation, karma, you name it. And I feel in a lot of ways, there are a lot of souls who have chosen to be here and now. I mean, like, we have all, we're all here for a reason. Whatever that reason is, is up to each of us to discover. Um, but just the time in our history, in our world, and with all of the horrible things that have been perpetuated not just to women but all human beings throughout the ages i feel especially the witch the witches are coming back mm -hmm. i mean, we i don't think we ever left yeah because i definitely i am definitely a witch i know that um not that i would ne necessarily identify with that per se but mm -hmm. i it's like i vibe with that I yeah totally i think all burlesquers have oh yeah the element of like sexy witch mm -hmm. um but it's like now is the time to Re, re, like reopen that dialogue. Yeah, and reclaim it. It's like being a witch is amazing. You know, it's like there's the tarot deck, there's the magician. A witch is a female. I know magician. I you know, know, it's like and so like where like ugh, it's just it's 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 crazy and it's sick and it's sad. You know what people believe so strongly and especially with the more unquestioning and rigid Christian right or people who are like the fundamentalists who are so convinced that they are right yes. and they don't question anything they don't enter into discourse about anything and I think that's actually more toxic than you know that that fixed mind frame and again we've already touched on yeah. it because they, 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 they are completely unwilling to grow yeah you know the opposite of faith is certainty yeah <laughs> <laughs> you know yeah yeah so, yeah, and I, I want to thank you for, you know, bringing this to the forefront. And I hope that, you know, you do get surrounded by really positive energy um, and protective energy as well so that your message can get out there. I mean, the platform that you're 
um, bringing up is more widely disseminated so people can begin to question, even if it's in the privacy of their own bedroom sure. or on their smartphone. There's many ways to do it. It doesn't have to always be so in your face. Yeah. I think that's wonderful. I'm mm-hmm. always thinking that's the most fun. But, you know, um, I feel lucky to have met all these really powerful, smart, witchy women. And as I said, being a curator type, I feel like, ah, yes, okay. Like, all these things... They're all connecting up, so mm-hmm. I'm glad to be going with the tide. I'm yeah. just letting it take me, you know? I didn't I was even... totally seeing you at the helm of a ship. Oh! Like, you know, the ship going off and you Excellent. just being the captain of it. Um, I love it. We are... It's amazing. Can you believe we've almost been talking for an hour? Well, so many good things to say. I know. know. <laughs> it's endless plethora. Um, how can people find you if they want to read and uh, gather up all the information that you're putting out into the world? That would be www.slutist.com, mm-hmm. just in case, because there's a few different ways you can put it on the Internet and pornography will come up. That's cool, but that's not my site. <laughs> <laughs> and I am on Twitter personally as Shadow Time NYC. Awesome. I used to only write about um, dark art in New York. That was my old <sighs> hat. So <laughs> I, you know, put my energies elsewhere, but that's still where my love lies. So it kind of all works. Yeah. It kind of all works together. It all ties together. Yep. Um, and I guess for parting words, is there anything you'd like to offer to our listeners? Any words of wisdom? I know I'm sort of launching this on you with zero preparation, um, but just to to leave the last note of this episode with you. Gosh, I would say instead of um, speaking more, listen more, read more. I try to do that. Yes and yes and yes. Agreed. Well, thank you so much, Kristen, for being on today's episode. What a pleasure. Thank you so much. This was great. I can't wait to have you back. Oh, good. Me too. (laughs) (laughs) And there you have it, folks, my interview with the wonderful Kristen Corvette. If you want to find her online, go, go, go to sluttist.com, S-L-U-T-I-S-T.com. And I just, I have to read this out loud on their masthead. It says, tarting up the Bali politic in shameless fashions. (laughs) I love it. I'm looking forward to having Kristen back on this podcast. And uh, we can discuss all sorts of things, sexy and witchy and beautiful and good. So thanks, guys, so much for tuning in. If you're liking what you're listening to, please go to our website, lunchwithlegs.com, and donate at our wonderful little donate button on the upper right-hand corner. We appreciate your support and your listenership so much, and I wish you guys a fabulous, fabulous week full of all the good energy you have just given this beautiful episode. Thanks, guys. Be good, and see you soon. Bye. Want some lunch for your ears? Lunch with legs.